The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further, allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24th through 26th at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Discover hope and healing from the other side. Welcome to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Listen. Hi, everybody. I so appreciate you coming to join me this afternoon for the show. I have a wonderful guest, Mary Ann Borer, and she's standing by, but she's given me permission to share a little experience that happened with me this morning before I bring her in. It'll lead perfectly into our talk today. But I was sitting in meditation, as I do every morning this morning, and I was given a new way of connecting across the veil that I know I'll be teaching very soon to students. And I was shown, try it now. So I thought, okay, I'll give this little shift in awareness tool a try. But I didn't realize that anybody would actually be there to tune into. I thought it was just go through the process. So I made the shift and right away, I sense my friend and guide Brenda. That was not so much of a surprise because she's often around me. But then I was told, try it again. I tried it again and I got pulled over to where I normally feel someone's child who passed. And it was very clear that I was tuning into Austin Smith, the son of Colleen Smith, who is a dear friend of mine. I've brought through her son, Austin, oh, maybe three times, two, two readings for her and then several, oh, quite a few drop-ins, even on the show when Colleen was on the show. So really surprised that Austin would be part of this little experiment. And I listened to him and I took notes of the message that he had for his mom and his dad and his family. And then as soon as my meditation was over, I called Colleen. And here's how this was a total setup from spirit. Tomorrow is Austin's 30th birthday. And he came through handing a box to his mom. So this visit was the gift for her. And he talked about his dad's business and told his dad that he's his co-pilot from across the veil. And what's really cool is today his dad summed up the 10 years of a challenge with his job, the culmination of 10 years of effort, came to a successful conclusion today, and Spirit set me up to notice that Austin was here basically to say congratulations, I love you all, and for all of us, the message is that our loved ones know what's going on in our lives. I say this every week, but to get that beautiful evidence of it this morning to be used by Spirit like that is just a gift, a true gift which is why it plays into today. I'm going to be talking with the author of a book called The Gift Within Us. Marianne Borer is a 
public relations professional. She's a communication specialist and I love this term, intuition advocate. And she's here today to talk to you about how you can develop your own intuition. She's interviewed some of the most gifted intuitives in the world and put these all into her new book, The Gift Within Us. And the book also includes interviews with top scientists, researchers, academics, and even a leading Catholic archbishop regarding the topic of intuition. So, Mary Ann, I'm so happy you're going to talk with us today. Welcome. Hi, Suzanne. Thanks so much for having me on your lovely show. Um, And you did not mention that of the 33 highly gifted intuitives I interview for their own profile chapters in my book, you are one of them. Well, I guess I am, but that's, you know, everybody hears about me every week, you know. I want to hear about everybody else. (laughs) Well, the beauty of these profile chapters is that it introduces us to individuals who happen to be highly gifted, but their stories are all so different. And your story coming to this uh, gift so late, later in your life is, uh, is unique. You, you have a fascinating story. So part of the reason I have these profile chapters is because, as many of us know, um, psychics, mediums, intuitives, I prefer to, to use that word, have been maligned a lot. Um, people think that people that have these abilities often are fake or whatever, and that's just not true. Now, maybe there are some out there. I don't know them, but the people in my book are regular people. Um, yeah. Many of them Yeah, if I come- could just interrupt a second. They really – they are because I went through the whole list, and it's amazing to me that I don't recognize the names, and I love that. It makes me wonder – how many people out there are doing this beautiful service for all of us of, of showing us there's so much more than this life and we don't know about them. And you've, you've helped us to see that through your work. Well, I basically did not want to have super famous um, intuitives in my book. Now, James Von Prague, who's best friends with Kelly White, who is in my book, she's a Los Angeles-based um, medium. She said, you have to talk to my best friend. Well, he wrote, he was lovely, and he wrote this great a quote for the cover of my book. But other than that, the people are just regular folks who um, have this gift. Many of them, I will tell you, were bullied uh, as children. They, a lot of them hid their gifts. Some of them were supported by family members. Um, some had parents and grandparents that were also gifted. But it's, it was striking to me how many of them as children, um, some were frightened of their ability. Some just thought everybody had it. Everybody sees grandpa in the corner of the yeah. room, you know. So their stories are quite different. But um, it was striking to me that many did encounter prejudice, and some were closeted until they were a little older. Maybe they worked as a real estate agent or something. I have one gentleman in my book, Eddie Connor, who's a great guy. He's from the South, and he happens to be gay. He said coming out as gay was was horrible in the South. He was beaten up all the time. But he said coming out as being psychic was a thousand times worse. So oh, really? People wow. Need, yeah. People need to understand that not everybody welcomes this um, gift. And some of them, uh, you know, they do this. They do this service for others because they are blessed with this gift, but they're amazing people and their stories are so unique. So that's one of the reasons I wanted to highlight these 33 highly gifted people, including you, partially also so that we open up our minds and hearts to the fact that these people have very high levels of of gifted uh, intuition, giftedness. But, and I don't say this, I don't like when people say we're all psychic. Not all of us have this level of giftedness, but Every single last one of us has access to this divine wisdom, this this right. divine guidance, 
just by listening to their inner voice. And it's simple. The one caveat, most people can't achieve this, but you need to take your ego down a couple of pegs, be humble, and listen. That seems hard for a lot of people, but that's kind of the (laughs) secret sauce. Well, I'm going to keep everybody waiting because later in the show, we're going to go through some of the, the wonderful tips that you give in the book for how to develop your own intuitive ability. But it's, mm-hmm. it's fascinating going through the stories there. I just looked at one who was a former police officer, I believe. Yeah. I don't think he, yeah, he didn't realize he had that ability his whole life. So it's just fun to read about ordinary people. And I know that I certainly consider myself pretty ordinary, but other people <laughs> might not. But, you, you know, when you don't realize that there's this greater reality, we go along and then life suddenly opens up for you. And it, it just... That's what I want every all of you listening to realize, and Marianne's book, The Gift Within Us, helps us to do that. So why don't you tell us about your background and what opened up your own intuitive awareness? Uh, well, I'm a public relations person by trade, and I was living and working in New York City. And, and just I'll try to say this quickly, but there was um, a client of mine who was erecting in 1997 – Uh, a digital clock counting down the minutes, seconds, and days to the year 2000. Now, do you remember how scared people were of Y2K? Um, I was in the military at the time, and we thought the whole everything, all the computers were going to shut down, and it would be disaster. So we all remember. (laughs) For whatever reason, this client who owns a lot of franchise restaurants was erecting this clock on 34th Street, and he had his logos of the restaurants around. From from a marketing perspective, I still don't understand why – He thought that erecting this clock would bring business to his restaurants, but whatever. My mandate was get national press for this clock. So I had the idea of – I don't use the word idea too much anymore. I use really inspiration because I'm aware that some of these ideas come to me, right, Um, to invite highly gifted psychics and mediums to this event and do a press conference and invite journalists to come and ask these gifted people – what they thought was going to happen in the year 2000 and beyond. Well, it took some research. I wasn't going to be lazy and just run down the street in New York and and get storefront psychics. I found 24 highly gifted people, and I invited them to come, and I sat them each at a different table at a TGI Fridays, one of the client's restaurants, and 75 journalists showed up. Now, that's an enormous number of media to come to an event, and they included people from the Wall Street Journal, CBS Evening News, uh, of course, Inside Edition Entertainment Tonight, those types. But the journalists each could sit with a different person for two to three minutes. They could ask world event questions, celebrity questions, or personal questions. And the reason I mentioned this was not only did it, yes, generate enormous amounts of national but also global press, but there's two reasons I tell this story. Um, the guy from the Wall Street Journal came up to me after the event, and his face was just completely white. He was shaking. He said, mm-hmm. Marianne, I won't kid you. I came here to make fun of these people, but they were so accurate, I'm still in shock. And the other I reason I it. mention this is because he, I became friends with a number of these people and have been for a, a lot of years now. Um, in fact, I was just on the phone with a guy who, Jack Omita, who was at my original event in 1997, which was a 1,000 days, by the way, before the year 2000. So I started to, as a communicator, feel a little bit irked that these gifted people who are doing so much good um, are being maligned in the public eye, stereotype, you know, fortune tellers and all this. And so I started to write their stories. I didn't exactly know what I was doing about it. It was kind of divinely guided to write this. So I started writing this book. 
over time, not only do I have the stories of the 33 gifted people, but my, my guides said, but now that people's minds are going to be more open to understanding that these are just regular people with this amazing gift, they, everyone needs to understand that they are truly loved and that they also have access to this divine wisdom, divine guidance just by listening to their inner voice. So that became the focus of the book. And it's kind of my mission is to kind of, like I say, intuition advocate. I want people to understand that this is all good. <laughs> it's, it, it is a gift. We don't have to be a Suzanne Giesman or anybody else who's super gifted in order to access this beautiful wisdom. And boy, do we ever need to access it now. Sure. Um, left to our own devices, the world, it, this whole correction that came with this virus – People who are gifted have been telling me that something was going to happen that would change the worldview. They didn't know exactly what it was, but they knew it was going to happen in 2020. Hmm. So people have now been kind of forced to be with their families, be at home, look inward. And I think more now more than ever, we do need to understand that we, are, we have all this help there for us. People think when they pray, and, and by the way, I want to mention, traditional religion has taken a hit, unfortunately. Pew Research has shown that uh, a greater number of people more than ever have become what's called spiritual but not religious. They're turning away from traditional religion because mm -hmm. of the sex scandals and everything, but they are still yearning for that spiritual connection. And the, the point is, is that we think when we're praying, oh, we're holding our end of the phone and we're asking for help but maybe we're not worthy of receiving it or whatever. What they don't understand is that the beings, I call it the powers that be on the other side, they have their receiver in their hand too, and they want to communicate with us. And it's not spooky. You're not going to see things appearing before you. It's like getting a thought. We've all had those gut feelings. Every single last one of us have experienced that kind of thing. It's like an inspiration. That's how they communicate frankly. Yeah, in my I love today. that you, you've made that differentiation between idea versus inspiration, because I tell people all the time, your brilliant thoughts are not necessarily your own. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's, it's interesting, because even the cover of my book is just a simple white book with a gold bow. Mm -hmm. I got that from inspiration. They gave me the title of the book, The Gift Within Us. It wasn't meant to look very new agey, you know, with the yeah. cosmos and all that stuff, because um, this book is about getting a mainstream stream audience to understand that these things are are a gift to us, and it's just another form. We before iPhones, can you imagine? We were all walking around with the phones with the cords and everything. Well, this level of communication is just the next step. You know, the iPhone changed the way the world communicates. We need to finally tune into this amazing gift within us, period. And, 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 and that's the point right there. It has been within all along, but our focus is outside. And so when we do take a break, like we're all forced to do right now, and turn within, the guidance is right here. Yes, I, I've had a couple inspirations. Um, one of them is very simple. And again, when I was writing this book, often they'd wake me up at like five in the morning, write this down, you know. But this was an idea that came to me. We've all seen the Wizard of Oz movie, correct? You know, Dorothy, she's gone through the flying monkeys and the poppies and all sorts of crazy things. And finally, she gets to the wizard and he can't help her get back to Kansas. So Glinda, that beautiful woman, I don't like the word witch, but anyway, she comes down and she says to Dorothy, but Dorothy, you've always 
had the ability to go back to Kansas. Hmm. And it just took my breath away, this analogy they gave me, because it's true. It's As my archbishop friend says on the back of my book, uh, it's, we all have access to divine wisdom. It's just a matter of knowing and trusting that we are loved and worthy of receiving that guidance. And uh, even though you talked about meditating earlier, I'm a, anyone can access this. You don't have to be great at meditating. I'm kind of a terrible meditator. I'm very much a white knuckler. So for me... If I, as I say in the book, if I had to hold crystals and focus on my chakras and, you know, I couldn't have written this book. They, sometimes I joke that they hit me over the head with a rubber mallet, but basically it's right at our fingertips. You don't have to do anything special. And I'll go over the six tips I give in order to receive this guidance. It's right at the tip of your fingers. Let's wait until after the break for the six tips. Okay. Okay. I want to get because I want to keep people hanging on tenter hooks here. <laughs> but but it, it's interesting it to me because if it. I hadn't started meditating, I would have still been focused outward. It was it was learning to quiet my mind. But clearly, you're going to share with us ways to do it without meditating. So that's great. But you mentioned this the family member who was an archbishop. Well, he wasn't a family or family member. friend. I grew up in upstate New York, and my mom and dad, uh, my mom was Catholic, and we would go to church. My dad was a Methodist, so he just kind of stayed home. Well, he decided after, I think I must have been around seven, he wanted to convert. So our family priest uh, at our St. Mary's Church was Father Flynn. And Father Flynn converted my dad to Catholicism, and over the years, uh, we would visit him. He was uh, at, for, at Mount St. Mary's Seminary um, for a time, and he, then he became a bishop, and then he eventually became an archbishop of, of St. Paul in Minneapolis. Well, I'd lost touch with Father Flynn um, since my parents passed on, and as I was finishing writing this book, I thought, you know, I'm going to find him and ask him what he thinks about this. And I really, he was a wonderful man, but I, again, the church, trying to, I tried to write a chapter where I interviewed rabbis and ministers and priests and others about intuition and psychic ability, try to get someone to talk about it, they would not. So I called Archbishop Flynn, and I, I had said, here's the book I've written, what do you think? And I, fortunately, what, what he did let you, me interview. What did you think he would say, Marianne? I didn't what know. Was... Again, this is a man who was... Uh, forward-thinking person to begin with. He's the person who, as a bishop, ran the whole um, council of bishops to stop sexual abuse with priests. So he was at the forefront of a lot of amazing things that the church was kind of reluctant to do at the time. I did not know what to think, but I feared that he would say, oh, no, psychic ability, that's, you know, that's of the devil or whatever. You know, you don't know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. To the contrary, he said the exact opposite. He said that we have saints that had these abilities. Jesus had these abilities. Um, we all have access to this divine guidance. As I said before, it's just a matter of knowing that we're loved and worthy of receiving that guidance. So I was shocked. <laughs> and and I, I wrote up this chapter. That's the first chapter of the New Spirituality. And I contacted him. It was like a year ago. And I said, Father Flynn, I still call him Father Flynn, um, do you mind if I use these quotes? And he said, he emailed me back, no, that's fantastic. Well, he passed in October, I believe, of last year. But to have him go on record of saying that these things are wonderful and part of everything that we can all access was great. I mean, that's why I put his quote on the back of the book, too, because 
it, it's something people need to understand. It's really all about love. We are love. It is. And, you know, this is what strikes me, that we're so conditioned by culture to be afraid of what other people think, that somehow having an archbishop say it's okay, I can hear this collective sigh from a small subset of people listening to this show saying, oh, then it's okay to know what I already know, that to believe that this is all right. And, and, it's, and it is. It's all about love. If we can get past well, the culture you know, and the a, conditioning, then we just open up to the gift within the title of your book. Yes, it, I have a daughter who's 18, and we all love, you know, our, our husbands, our parents, whatever. Something about having a child, that love um, is so intense. And what I also was given by them to communicate is that we are loved like they we love our children. They love us so much, and they yearn to communicate with us, too. And we Who is definitely they? Need, I, I call it the powers that be, God, angels, our guides, whatever, and including people who've crossed over to the other side and have a clearer vision in, in the non-physical than they had here. Yes. So it's a, to me, it's a collection of energies mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. are brilliant, that are loving, and that are, frankly, a little smarter than us. Another analogy my guides gave me is this. Can you imagine a room full of five-year-old kindergarten students left in the classroom all alone for a full day without adult supervision? There would be chaos and mayhem and bullying and all sorts of crazy stuff that would go on. Well, that's another thing I was given to convey was that that's kind of like we've been. You know, Hmm. uh, we need their help because left to our own devices – you know, there's a lot of good people in this world, but there's a lot of other crazy stuff that goes on. And, and you know, Marianne, you mentioned that many of the psychics had been bullied. I've I've heard a lot about people whose psychic abilities, many of them had head trauma, and I fell on my head at seven weeks old, which my husband often teases me about, <laughs> expl- explains a lot about me. But I hadn't heard the bullying connection. What is the, the um, cause and effect that you see at work there? Again, not everybody in the book has been bullied, but sure. if you, when you read the book, you'll see a fair number were, because the stereotype of psychic ability is much maligned. I found you through Dean Radin, the scientist, who spent his whole career, Suzanne, right, Dean? You know him. He's on the show next week, a researcher with the <laughs> Institute of Noetic Sciences. Yeah. He has fought the brave – I have a chapter in my book about Dean Radin and other scientists, Gary Schwartz and others, who have been studying PSI, PSI they call it, paranormal mm-hmm. psychic ability, for years. Because the scientific community, it's a taboo. You're not to study such things. People will just poo-poo that. It's, it's silly. Women's intuition, oh, it's all a joke. You know, it's all fake. And it, there is that negative stereotype. Now, it's gotten better in 20 years than it used to be. I think more people are open, but there's still that strange taboo. And as Dean will tell you, privately, other scientists will come up to him and say, oh, I had this psychic experience. I had that happen to me. But publicly, he's, as I say, one of today's brave paranormal explorers. And we need to be able to understand that a lot of these people who are gifted as children, they they might – some of the stories are funny. They might use their ability – to get a better grade on a test, or if the teacher, if a bunch of boys were teasing people and doing bad things in the playground and had the teacher had them on a list to be punished, one guy told me, well, I got my name off that list. You know, he, so you can use it for those things. 
But I know kids may be fascinated. Some of the kids did readings for other kids when they were younger. But a lot of times people will fall into this stereotype of that's spooky or you're faking or whatever. It's, It's specific to each person in the book. But not everybody was bullied. Some were very supported. Um, I'm sure it's because uh, they were more sensitive than others in many cases. Again, just like other stereotypes about people's races, sexual orientation, whatever, this is a gift that's not really understood. And that's what Dean and other scientists have been studying forever. Um, And it's time really that we, we... realize that this is a form of community just as its basic quality it is a form of communication that is largely misunderstood and not utilized enough it's not women's intuition it's not a silly thing it's not a parlor trick it's just a matter of opening up and listening to this this divine guidance and i say divine not necessarily meaning religion this all transcends religion i don't care what religion you are or if you're religious at all we all have access to this. It's just love, and it's about the the wisdom that we, frankly, as human beings, we're kind of wiped clean when we come here. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have all, as you know, Suzanne, talking to people who, on on the other side or whatever, they have a more knowledge, I guess, than when you're here. As a human being, it, it, being here is a school, basically. We go through hard times and good times, but it's all meant for our souls to grow and expand, as you know. But it's not easy, and I think that, uh, frankly, because the planet is also in trouble, I think it's time now for us to be able to listen to this divine guidance. But humility is at the core. You you have to be able to understand, as you said earlier, that not all your brilliant ideas may be coming from your brilliant mind. Maybe some are, but a lot of these are inspired, and we need to understand that um, that we give a little credit where credit is due. Absolutely. I want to talk later about how we tell the difference between conditioned mind and that divine inspiration. Do you have thoughts on that or have you learned that from others? When you're saying conditioned mind, what do you mean exactly? I mean our everyday thoughts that run like robots through our heads and and it's just like our normal reaction to something without even tuning into anything inspired. We just it just comes out of our mouth just cuz like right. programmed. I th- I think I've gotten that muscle. I I can now tell pretty well, but but not everyone can. But every one of your listeners has had a gut feeling or a hunch about something that seemed to go against what their rational mind would think. Like you're taking your daughter to school, but you decide you you need to take another route that day. And then you find out that there was an accident. You know, it's you get this feeling of like a tweak, like, where's that coming from? It, or people okay. use the expression, it just Wait. came to me. I, I have to interrupt you. I can't believe 26 minutes has gone by already, but we okay. have to take a break. Come back and join us after the break. This is Mary Ann Borer, author of The Gift Within, her website, maryannborer.com, B-O-H-R-E-R. Human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further 
allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24th through 26th at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Discover the power within Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back. You're listening to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Oh, I'm just so jazzed by this conversation with Mary Ann Borer. Can't you just feel her passion for this topic about this inner voice that we all have? We all can access what Mary Ann calls divine guidance, but has nothing to do with religion, but accessing that beautiful inspiration that's available to all of us. Her book is The Gift Within Us, and it just came out and was number one in its category on Amazon. So check that out. But we're going to spoil some of the things in it by letting Marianne share with you right now her six steps for accessing that inner voice. Okay, yes. Um, by the way, I want to say it isn't absolutely not about religion. I have great respect for people of any religion who, because there's a humility in religion. And so it, it's for people who are religious as well as people who are not. The point yes, is so that you make that gift, point beautifully in here. You don't denigrate anybody. It's no. just like this gift is for everybody. It is for everybody, and for those people turning away from traditional religion who yearn for spiritual connection, the the powers that be, as I call them on the other, they're yearning for you to connect with them, and it, it's a two-way street, believe me. Um, so they want us to be more open. I guess that's kind of my mission is trying to get that message across, so we'll see. But anyway, I write about six simple steps because, Suzanne, well, I would go in bookstores and when I was searching about intuition, and I'd see whole big books and uh, many books on how to develop your psychic ability, and there were all these steps, and I don't denigrate those books either. There's great value in them. However, it was overwhelming for me, and I realized as I was writing this book that people needed some guidance, but it's so much at our fingertips, so simple. So I'll go through a couple. I'll go through them. Um, the first one, and I said I'm bad at meditating, but even I have to quiet my mind. Uh, to access your inner voice, you really need to clear out and unclutter your brain as much as you possibly can. Just a little bit of quiet time. I mean, I just if you heard somebody about, listening saying, "Yeah, good luck with that." <laughs> Well, let's think about this. Have you ever, like, were thinking about buying a house or making a move to another city or something? You'll take a breath. You'll kind of tune out and just think, okay, what, what should I do here? So you kind of take a couple steps back and listen. And quite, We do this anyway with big decisions. If you think about it, we really do. So just in your everyday life, though, just try to quiet your mind. And if you're not good at it, don't worry about it, right? Just take a couple I, breaths in I would, and out. What you're saying is so key, Marianne. It's the thing. Most people that don't realize they have this intuition, they just wonder, what am I supposed to do? But what you're advocating here is knowing that by directly asking and pausing, you're going to get this download and this inspiration from someplace beyond the normal mind. Yes, and if they can get through to me, they can get through to you because, <laughs> as I said, I'm a white knuckler, and it's 
Again, as I said, I think sometimes they bang me on the head with a rubber mallet in a a kind of fun way, but yes. Or they get me when I'm in the shower or when I'm just waking up, you know, from sleeping. There's Mm -hmm. times when we're more receptive naturally. So that's important. Number two, this is probably really number one, is be humble and take your ego down a few pegs. It is paramount that we understand that if we're always thinking that we're just so brilliant and it's all coming from us, we're not going to be able to really receive these messages. I I will tell you, I tried to write a chapter about famous people, celebrities, who um, talked about how they realized that they were inspired to get where they what they achieved. But aside from Oprah and her aha moment, nobody will go on record to talk about that. If if you mm-hmm. think about it, very few people will talk. And I, one of the people in the book, her mom is a psychotherapist to the stars in Beverly Hills. And I spoke with that woman, and she told me they'll be on her couch, celebrities, for 10 to 12 months before they'll even admit that there was a divine hand in getting them where they are. So mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of ego out there. There's a lot of um, – it, it's very, very hard when you look around. We, we've been humbled by this virus. I, I, I'm sorry it, it's taken a virus to kind of humble people a little bit, mm-hmm. but we realize that we are not in control of everything, and we also need to listen and learn and help others and all of that stuff. But humility, our Pope today said something. He said that when he first became Pope, he said, I have. I want to change things. I want to improve the world, and I have the humility and the ambition to get this done. I love the coupling of the words humility and ambition because you think of an ambitious person as someone railroading right down, you know, the street and getting a. Mm-hmm. No, no. If you couple humility with ambition, you can achieve so much more. And they have a wealth of information to share with us. We just have to understand that we need to listen. And again, humility impossible for many people to achieve. But just taking the ego down a peg or two, you will be able to hear all of this. So, so basically what you're saying is we have to admit we don't have all the answers ourselves and that there is some higher level where there are answers if we're just willing to open ourselves. Yes, as I write in the, that humble part, in, in our world today, in the era of reality TV, we're often encouraged to be a star, to be the center of attention. And I say, yes, you are important and smart and maybe even brilliant. But you don't need to take credit for every single thought that comes into your mind. Some <laughs> of these thoughts and inspirations may actually be coming from divine guidance, from wise spirits or protective entities that are looking out for your best interest. So in order to be able to hear your inner voice clearly, it's imperative that you keep your ego in check. And that's – I'm blessed and, with a very and, and, small ego. It's, <laughs> you know, you are. I can six- tell but from the minute you called me. And, and it's like I tell some of my students, sometimes when I connect with the spirit world, afterwards I literally get down on my knees and I just say thank you. It's just this – it is humbling to tap into that, that loving guidance. So, boy, mm-hmm. just for the gift of the gift within, it's worth it. Yeah, it's – it's we have this sometimes i joke uh, they by the way there's a lot of humor uh coming from the powers that be sometimes i joke when i was writing this book that i have access to my colleagues on this plane and my colleagues on that plane and it's almost <laughs> like the sense of humor was like i have the access to the writers room at saturday night live you know up there <laughs> because there's a lot of humor it's not all new age and serious and everything like that um there it's a wonderful to be have access to this collaboration and and it may be God, but it may be a collection of other 
divine beings that are helping us. I don't know. I'm a human being. I don't have that answer. I have an idea. It's, it's all God. It's all spirit. Call it love. Call it joy. It's one energy that just divided into you and me, and that's my view, and they told me to stick to it. <laughs> so I'll give you a couple more tips. Um, okay. The one I said before, trust your gut. You will know. Um, it, it, these are perceptions or thoughts that seem to come to you out of the blue and make a deep impression, but it's um, basically not what your rational mind may be thinking. So you need so to pay attention. So that's step number three, trust your gut? Yeah. Okay. That's trust your gut. We've all had the gut feeling. We all know what that feels like. And uh, But listen, because you will feel it like in the pit of your stomach. Um, another one is ask for help. You know, um, ask and you shall receive. We've all heard that. Well, don't be afraid to ask for help. I will say it's not like a faucet you can turn on and off. There are times we're meant to struggle. There are times we're meant, as Archbishop Flynn called it, to be in the desert of our soul because we need to grow and to learn. So you're not always going to get everything you want right when you want it. However, in my experience, most of the time, yeah, you you get some wisdom. You get some answers. Doors may open. That were, so don't be afraid to ask for help. But that's a beautiful point book, you just made because I do hear people who are really hurting sometimes, and they say, why am I not getting a sign? Why am I not getting an answer? And it's just that's when we really have to trust. Exactly, and we're meant to go through some hurdles, and that's part of the human experience and how our souls grow. But I, I start to say in the book, do you think that God, the universe, and the powers that be are too busy to care about our personal problems and to answer our questions or assist us in finding the right path going forward? I say you would be wrong, right? Because they, they want us to do well and to succeed. They're actually rooting for us. So if you have a problem or an issue, ask for help. And you'll be surprised yeah. what comes through. Yeah, every one of us plays an important role. That's so important for all of us to remember. Exactly. And then another tip is be open and believe that we're not alone in this world. Mm. Okay, um, you may not be able to see or touch uh, the powers that be, God, the angels, but but they're there. And you have made that point beautifully, Suzanne, and in, in all that you do. Uh, our deceased loved ones, I mean, my daughter was born a a year and a half after my mom even passed on. And she came through in a reading. She knew my daughter. She said, thank you for naming your daughter's middle name after me, which my <laughs> daughter's middle name is Marie, which is my mom. She described my daughter's bedroom, the stars on the ceiling, the glow-in-the-dark stars, and she loved the uh, butterfly appliques over her headboard. I mean, my mom <laughs> saw everything. You bet. And you bet. She knows what's going on. And anyway, so you're not alone. Your loved ones are there. The, the powers that be, your divine beings, your angels, guides, God, all of it, they're there. So yeah, that, don't, don't that's step number five. The belief is paramount. That's what the biggest challenge the skeptics have. They, It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. If they don't believe, they won't have the experience in most cases unless the spirit gets out a double rubber mallet, you know, and bangs them on the head. So the belief, Yeah, you don't have to have a tragedy to understand and awaken to this truth, okay? You, you don't have to. Unfortunately, a lot of us... We do need to go through that before we understand. Yeah. But that's it my is hand there. raising up here. Unfortunately, I was one of those, but uh, it leads to beautiful right. things. Right. So um, the last thing is become adept at hearing your inner voice. And it's kind of like I say, at first, you might have difficulty distinguishing between your own thoughts and those inspirations, but in time, you'll feel a distinct difference between the two ways of receiving and processing information. 
okay? Um, I say one of the best ways to recognize the difference is to ask yourself if the idea or thought that you're having seems to come out of nowhere and represents a completely new or inspired way of looking at something. You know, so if the yeah. thought coming from if if the thought is coming from your brain, it will feel completely rational because it was created in your head. But divinely guided inspirations that we access through our inner voice have a fresh, clear, and somewhat unusual quality, as if someone planted the thought in our heads from another place. It is that it just came to me expression that we use. Yeah, there it's you go. To you from them. So it just came to me. That's a beautiful. Right. I just heard a whole bunch of people going. Oh, the light bulb went on. <laughs> Very cool. That's so much fun when I do this show. It, really, I can pick up on listeners' thoughts, and it's fun. But, yeah, <laughs> perfect. Well, thank you for those six steps. Very simple. You make it very accessible. We're talking with Mary Ann Borer. Her wonderful new book, The Gift Within Us, is now available. You can find it on Amazon. But, Mary Ann, one of the most fun moments or chapters in your book you discussed it with me on the phone when you first called to interview me blew my mind now i have connected with with people across the veil that some people would recognize one of them albert einstein so i i mean with evidence or i'd never even talk about it he is definitely trying to help humanity and you tell this wonderful story about albert that i love in every show if we can share some real magic and this is real magic why don't you tell us that story Okay, it's my chapter uh, called A Valentine's Day Phone Call from Albert Einstein. So it was a February in 2016, actually. Um, it was February 13th, which was a Saturday. It was a cold, cold uh, winter morning. And I was in my office writing this book, and I was working on a chapter about great minds throughout history who've embraced intuition, like Carl Jung. You know, I wanted to basically say there have been people along, down through the history who've cared about this topic. So my husband, who's very supportive of this book, but totally not involved, was upstairs on his home office. Uh, he typically is looking up music and doing things like that. He called me upstairs and said, Marianne, Marianne, come up here. I have something to show you. Well, I ran upstairs, and lo and behold, on his computer screen were quotes from Albert Einstein about intuition. And I was like, first of all, I had no clue that Einstein was into in, intuition and those topics. Secondly, though, I said to my husband, what? Why are you looking up these quotes? He says, I don't know. I suddenly had this, I remembered that I'd heard that Albert Einstein uh, <laughs> was interested in intuition. So first of Sounds all, Sounds like the powers grateful. that be at work on your husband. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you that funny thing at the end here, but I was shocked. I was thrilled because I had no idea Einstein was involved with this. So I ran downstairs still wondering why would my husband, you know, even look this up. So I start Googling Albert Einstein intuition, and a story from the New Republic came up. Now, the New Republic is still around. It's it's a magazine. It's um, a think piece kind of uh, publication. But this was from a story from 1932 in the New Republic um, mocking Einstein. Now, Einstein was in Palm Springs on vacation. At that time, he was already a celebrity. He was on vacation in Palm Springs. And, and this is a story written by a journalist called C. Hartley Grattan, who was mocking Einstein. The story was called Why, Dr. Einstein? And he talks about the fact that Einstein apparently had had to share a limousine to an event with a young woman who turned out to be a psychic named Jean Dennis. 
And I guess he had an impromptu reading in the back of that limo with this woman. And Einstein told the media this, and this is what Gratan writes in the story. She told me things no one could possibly know, things on which I have been working, and she demonstrated to me that she has a power to do things I cannot at this time explain. Now, I must tell some of my associates about this. It was miraculous indeed. And then Gratan goes on to write that the, the Jean Dennis, the young psychic woman, said, Dr. Einstein is indeed the most remarkable person I have ever contacted, and his aura is just sublime, pure blue electric sparks instead of color. It was just like talking to God. Well, De- uh, Gratan mocks them both, saying, wonderful, wonderful. And so the scientific method goes crashing to the ground, and the world's greatest relativist becomes an endorser of a, quote, psychic vaudeville act. So mm. here was Einstein Brilliant Einstein being mocked by a journalist because he went on record and said that he'd had this great experience with this gifted, young gifted woman. So even he was, you talked about prejudice about these gifts. It's been going on for a long time. So anyway, I won't go too much deeper into the other part of the story, but a journalist named Upton Sinclair, the author, he wrote the next month, he wrote a letter to the editor complaining that if Einstein thought that these uh, things were wonderful, that, that they were, that, he, you know, he basically said, don't malign Einstein. So I won't read that passage, but mm-hmm. he came to his defense. So I was so happy. So that Saturday night, the February 13th, we went to dinner at our famous little burger joint with our daughter, and we dropped her off at a friend's house for a sleepover. We came home, went to bed, and around 4 in the morning I'm awakened, as I was often when I was writing this book. So I go in and start researching more things about Einstein and Upton Sinclair and whatever. Go back to bed around 7.30 in the morning. My husband's still asleep. Try to sleep for about a half hour. Get up. Um, decide I'm going to take a shower about 8.15. This is on um, February 14th. Yeah. So I go into my home office, barely clothed. I was about to take a shower. I just check my email real fast, and it's 8.20 a.m., on Sunday morning, the February 14th, the phone rings. I pick it up. First of all, I thought it was my daughter at her sleepover. Maybe something was wrong, and I didn't want the phone ringing to wake my husband. So it was a woman on the other end of the phone that I'd never spoken to before, and she said, good morning. I was doing my morning meditation, and I was directed to call you this morning and wish you a happy Valentine's Day by Albert Einstein. Right? I love this story, and it is absolutely <laughs> true because I have talked to this woman since. So keep going, Marianne. <laughs> so I'm like in shock, and I listen, and I I'd been doing interviews, so I had a tape recorder next to me. But for the first bit of her talking, I was just taking notes, and I finally turned the tape recorder on. So she said, "He wants you to know that you're a vessel of truth," which I like that expression. I'm not sure what it means. <laughs> <That's nice. laughs> but, and that you were divinely guided to, and that you've been going to the right people to interview for your project, and that you recently parted ways, oh, and that you have a Native American guide, and you recently parted ways with someone who would, would have not been good for this project, which I had parted ways with someone who was going to be in my book, who turned out to be very much wanting her to be the star of the book. It's a long story I won't, won't go into, but anyway, he knew that, and that was two weeks before this, and she said, and that... um what else did she say to me? She said basically that um, that I go by my innate gut level feeling to verify the truth and that um, I'm going to do a lot of good and changing the way people view these these gifts. So I stopped her and I said, excuse me, but who are you? Yeah, no <laughs> and she kidding. Said, I'm, I'm Edna. Well, another gifted person in my book had told me to contact a woman with an E name to interview but I looked on her email, and it was Aaron, not Edna. I said, well, what's your last name? And she said, Randall. So I'm Googling Edna Randall. 
and up comes a story in the New York Times from 2003 about mediums. John Edwards in the story, Edna Randall. I had never heard of Edna Randall. So she's a legitimate person. And I said, well, uh, but do you, do you even know my name? And she said, uh, no, but I know one of your names is like my mother's name, Anne. And I said, do you know what I'm working on? And she said, no, I'm sorry, I don't. And I said this. But how did you get my phone number? Now, I will tell you, Suzanne, not only is my phone number unlisted, but it's in my husband's name, and his last name is different than mine. Mm -hmm. So people don't just have my phone number. And she said, well, when I was getting the message that he wanted me to give to you, he dictated your phone number to me. And she said the phone number, and I'm not going to say my actual phone number, but I will say uh, the phone number. Basically, she started to say the phone number, and the last four digits of the phone number are one three. She goes in. The last four digits are one three zero nine. I'm thinking, oh, but the last digits of my number one three eight nine. But before I could speak, she said, "But he told me to take the zero out between the three and the nine and insert an infinity symbol, which is the number eight, of course." Yes. So, so let me I just stop like, a second here. That's ten digits. She heard of them, one of them wrong. Albert Einstein tells this medium, "Take the zero out and put the infinity sign," and she gets your number. Now, people listening may think this is outrageous, but I've heard some of the stories of some of the greatest mediums ever, and some could actually get phone numbers, social security numbers. So uh, this is just fabulous. <laughs> well, yeah. So she, she basically, at, at this point, she interrupts me and says, let me tell you what I was given to to give to you. I'm not going to read the entire message, but I'm going to read the, the, the beginning of it. And her voice lowers. By this time, thank God, I have the tape recorder on. So she, her voice lowers, and she says, Madame. First of all, who says Madame anymore? She so does. She says, I've talked to her. <laughs> oh, well, we have to talk offline about the, uh, the conversations because um, she's an amazing woman. But anyway, she says, Madame. And I love this first sentence. This is Einstein speaking through her. I am still focused on the agenda of bringing humankind to the highest, best good. And I'm going to repeat that. Madame, I am still focused on the agenda of bringing humankind to the highest, best good, which is amazing. It is about not destruction, but elevation of the illumination of consciousness. And then it goes on. And at the end, he talks about prayer and that, um, I'll say, being a higher, better self allows the law, the natural law, and the true sense of one's earnestness, reflecting God's light to flow and to grow. So basically, he's... (laughs) The fact that he's still on the case, his agenda is to help us grow and be the best that we could be, the highest, best good. It's shocking. It's beautiful. So anyway, I'm shaking at this point because I said to Edna after this message was delivered to me, I said, do you mind giving me your phone number? Can I call you tomorrow? Um, I'm still kind of shaking. And she said, sure. So she gives me her number. She lives on Long Island. I think she doesn't really uh, do mediumship so much. No, she, she doesn't anymore. Uh-uh. She does works with the disadvantaged children in a soup kitchen and helps others. But she does channel three entities, Einstein, Nikola Tesla, and Alva Vanderbilt. And that's okay. why she says, Madame, because she's channeling these people from Him. a former age. Yeah, absolutely. So I go into the shower to take my shower. I'm getting barely dressed, getting this phone call from my side. I was sitting there in like underwear. And um, I look up at the ceiling and I say to them, my powers that be, can you tone it down a little bit? This is like too much more than I can handle. (laughs) So I take my shower and I tell my husband and he goes, 
oh, maybe she wants to be in your book. And I said, no, 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 she doesn't care about being. And, then, and aside no. from this chapter, she's not in the book. I didn't interview her for the book. So he says, well, he said, well, wait a minute. He said, Einstein contacted me first because I found those quotes for you, right? Mm-hmm. And we mm-hmm. laughed about that because it was true. He'd gotten to my husband first, and, and that's how I looked this whole thing up. So then my daughter comes home from her sleepover, and my husband says, guess who called mom and wished her a happy Valentine's today? Albert Einstein. And, you know, my daughter rolled her 14-year-old eyes at the time, Oh, you know, because she'd heard it all with work that I do. Um, and I spent the rest of that day making beef stew and doing laundry and just trying to ground myself with normal activities. The next day I called Edna, and I, I asked her, I said, why did he contact me? She goes, he wants to confirm that what you're working on is valid and it's going to help so many people. Oh, and I, I thanked her. And, um, you know, I think I called her once uh, several months later just to check in. But um, it's a remarkable story. And I wasn't going to put it in the book because as a PR person, I thought that's the kiss of death. People will think I'm crazy. But everybody said you have to put it in. And quite oh, yeah. frankly, I had to put it in, and I start off the chapter saying, listen, this is a story I was hesitant to include in the book because it's even too bizarre for me to understand or believe, but I've been encouraged to do so by many people regardless of how crazy it sounds, so here it goes. So people but it opens us the- up. It opens us up, Marianne, to know that miracles happen, that this is possible mm-hmm. because we're part of something so much greater. So bless you for your courage. We only have a minute and a half left already. So mm-hmm. let's just use that. If you could just wrap it up with your overall message for anybody who's reading the book, who's listening to us now, what do you want them to take from this? Realize that you're holding your end of the receiver of the phone, but they've also got their end of the receiver and that they yearn for you to connect with them. It's not spooky. It's not hard. It's not scary. It's just loving. And it's we need to access this divine wisdom because left to our own devices, we need their help more now more than ever, quite frankly. And it's easy to do. You don't have to be a master meditator. You don't have to do any special tricks. But but if you read this book and you, you understand this, um, you'll start to be more open to receiving this information. Again, it comes as easily as a thought, an inspiration, an idea. Um, and what I love is that, that you just took intuition from being just pulling information out of the air to showing us it is an it is a real time connection with loving sentient beings. Yep, it is. And my mom has come through and said that she's so happy where she is. She has she looks like she's thirty two. She has a little tiny waist again. She has no pain from her sciatica. My so husband, I'm sorry, Marianne, but we're out of time. But just like your mom or anybody else. Love never dies. Death is not the end. And you're teaching us through your beautiful book, The Gift Within, that we can all connect with that. So thank you so much. Okay. Thanks, Suzanne. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Since 1977, Omega Institute in New York's beautiful Hudson Valley has hosted some of the best spiritual teachers and social visionaries sharing their messages of hope, healing, and transformation. 
On the Dropping In Podcast, hosted by Emmy Award-winning producer Callie Alpert, you will enjoy in-depth interviews and conversations with people like Pema Chodron, Jack Kornfield, John Kabat-Zinn, and many others on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network. Also, check out the video series on Spotify. 